Hey, welcome into the Grizzlies podcast from the Commercial Appeal. I'm the Grizzlies beat writer, David Cobb, alongside sports producer Jason Munns and columnist Mark Giannato. Coming at you a little over a week after we last, about a week exactly, right? With the lottery was Tuesday night, so... You forgot to mention, live from the ping pong room we are at the live. Commercial Appeal <laughs> Uh, new headquarters. Yeah, this is the makeshift version of the... Because the podcast studio is not ready. But, uh, yeah, so sleek environment. Uh, we got some, some glass-paneled windows and uh, some really nice doors, a flat-panel television screen on the wall, ping-pong table in the room, and we've got over here a, a really cool vertical uh, picture of a commemoration of the early days of the Grizzlies. It says, thank you big time. And I think it's a commemoration of probably their first playoff appearance many moons ago uh, under Hubie Brown, who did make the next 10 possibilities on Jason Munz's uh, top 50 sports figures in Memphis sports history. Uh, we know who didn't make it, <clears throat> Jason Lionel Hollins. We'll dive into more of that, and we'll grill you sufficiently there, uh, Mr. Munz. That's fine. It's fine. I welcome all comers. Well, if you haven't read it yet, you should. It's a really, for anybody who cares about Memphis sports, an awesome piece by Munns uh, looking at the top 50 uh, sports figures in the city's sports history as we commemorate 200 years as a city. Today, in fact. Today is, is the birthday. Yes. Of, yes. Uh, this Wednesday. She looks great for 200. I mean, really? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, the Grizzlies are looking up. They are in the middle of a coaching search. There have been, I think, Three names added to the mix uh, since we last discussed the the uh, coaching search. Last week we talked a lot about uh, the draft, and, and now it's become even more clear than it was before that John Morant is the likely selection. So does that change who you're looking for in a coach? Mark, do you have an opinion on any of these names that have been brought up publicly? Let's see the list so far. Yeah, so the list, you, you tweeted this out the other day, list so far. Alex Jensen, who is a Utah Jazz assistant. Sarunas Yasakevicis, I believe is how it's pronounced, who apparently, in an interview in Lithuania, seemed to indicate that he is going to be back. That was vaguely Lith- worded, though. That was basically the sense I got from that quote was, well, I haven't heard anything else from this NBA team I talked to. Uh, so I wouldn't rule it out, but he doesn't sound like he thinks he's getting the job. Gotcha. Then Jaron Collins, the Golden State assistant. Igor Kokoskov, is that how you pronounce it? I think it's Kokoskov, right? Kokoskov, okay. He was the Phoenix Suns head coach this past year. Poor guy, only got one year. Nate Tibbetts, uh, I believe he might be getting interviewed soon, or maybe Mm -hmm. it was even yesterday, the Portland Trailblazers assistant coach. He was also part of the coaching search when they... uh, when they ended up picking David Fisdale. He seems like he's been a part of a lot of NBA coaching searches and just hasn't quite uh, broken through yet, but a guy that is highly regarded. And then Adrian Griffin, the Toronto Raptors assistant. Right. Maybe they can get a reference from uh, Mark Saul on that one. Um, here's my theory, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think all these names who are out there are being leaked by their agents, and it tells me that they're not the, going to be the choice. That the person who is going to be the coach of the next coach of the Memphis Grizzlies has not is not publicly out there because the Grizzlies don't want it out there. Like these people have been interviewed, but aren't necessarily in the running anymore. If there's one thing I've learned about Zach Kleiman, who's now leading the basketball operations for the Grizzlies, it's that he's pretty good at playing things close to the vest and 
I think the, that could be in the franchise's uh, best interest. So uh, this is a, a, a list of six that we know. Uh, but if you go and look at the Cavaliers search, there were a dozen or more names bandied about there. None of them were John Beeline. And out of left field comes John Beeline, the next coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And good. JB is his associate head coach. That's right, and good for him. And there will be a, a reuniting of JB with his father, Bernie, who's his senior advisor uh, for the Cavaliers. So uh, good to see uh, JB land on his feet. Like uh, Kokoskov, JB only got one year uh, in Memphis. And he was got like a year and two-thirds. Well, if you, if you count the interim. I do like I. I never understood this not counting the interim thing. It wasn't like he was the interim for like five games. He was the interim for like two thirds of the, you know, like sixty games. Yeah. Um. So he he got you know. And it was a pretty dreary uh, year and two thirds in Memphis Grizzlies basketball history. But now there's reason for optimism. There's reason for hope. There's reason for belief and reason to care again. And that's because of what happened last week with the draft lottery. Uh, a lot of people think that John Morant will be the pick. Uh, at number two, the Murray State guard after two seasons there in Murray. Uh, we went through a lot of that last week, but has anything changed in your mind, or is he still clearly, Mark, the, the guy that the Grizzlies need to go with? I think he's, he's the pick, and he, you know, to me, what's, he's, he's the one with the higher ceiling between him and R.J. Barrett. I don't think, though, like it's weird to me that everyone has just totally, almost, the fan base has almost completely dismissed R.J. Barrett as an option. I mean, this is a guy who was the number one recruit in the country a year ago at this time, and all he did was be a first-team All-American as a freshman at Duke. Um, and I'm not saying he should be the choice, but I'm saying he should be given serious consideration. Uh, I don't think it should just be John Morant, John Morant, John Morant, um, because I think R.J. Barrett has the higher floor, if that makes any sense. I think I think there's a I think you can you can more definitively say he is going to be a 10-year pro, to, you know, long-time starter in the NBA. I don't think you can definitively say he's going to be a all-star. I think there's a higher possibility John Morant, given his skill set, his athleticism, his his vision, that he's going to be an all-star. And I think ultimately that's why you pick him. I just I just hope, like this, there's a report out there that Jonathan Gavoni put out there that you know, essentially the Grizzlies have let it be known they're taking John Morant. And maybe they're doing that for trade purposes, like telling people, hey, if you want to try and get John Morant, you you know, we're taking him. If we have the number two pick, you better hear, give us your best offer. But at the same time, I would hope, I would think they're evaluating RJ too. Would you, if the Charlotte Hornets came to you and said, we'll, we'll sign Kimball Walker and trade him to you for the number two pick, would you do it? No. I would not. I would ra- like no. I wouldn't. I you think, think the the Morant ceiling is higher than? Kevin I, I think you want you want to start fresh. One, Kevin Walker would have to agree to that trade, and two, you'd have to it have to involve Mike Conley. I would assume, right? Because you wouldn't have the cap space to do to take on Kemba Walker's max salary, and so that means that means you're trading. You're tr- essentially. You know, running back what you had last year with Jaron Jackson and Mike Conn, like that to me, the ceiling for that. I'd rather start fresh with John Morant than do something. There's like a way to creatively use this number two pick to make yourself believe you could be a playoff team next year. I'd rather have Mike Conley than than Kemba Walker. I'm going to be honest with you. 
what has Kemba Walker ever done in his career? Mike Conley's accomplished more than that guy. I guess he's a little younger, but he's not that much younger. And like so that to me that's just almost like it's just it's resigning yourself to being like a fringe playoff team. Whereas John Morant, while John Morant you might have to endure a year or two with you know of not being very good. Would the, would but the, the promise of what he could become, the again, the ceiling is much higher. And you can then start to, honestly, if you're not that, you can start to build around ja, uh, the, the foundation of Ja Morant and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Absolutely. That, that, the Grizzlies will have to be firm in that because there could be growing pains next year without Mike Conley if he is indeed traded. And let's say, what if Jonas, who... who it looks kind of iffy at the moment. Still has a while to go. I mean, by a while, I mean three weeks to go until his player option decision date is upon us. Uh, you know, it, it could be. It could look a little iffy next year, Mark. With- well, that's fine. It's like honestly, that's what's like. You can sell hope, though. You couldn't sell hope last year with this team. You had an. You know, even though Mike had a great year, there was you knew in the back of your head how many more years of this level of play are you going to get from Mike Conley? Like, let's be realistic. Like with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., you can sell hope to this fan base. And you, know, you mentioned this like this trade possibility. Like, if you do that, like I said, I think Mike Conley would have to be involved in whether it was a three-way trade or whatever. You'd have to get Mike Conley off the books to make it work, right? To get someone, and it, so if you're packaging Mike Conley and the number two pick for something like that, to me that's a waste of your assets. The, the the Grizzlies can right now pick John Morant and then trade Mike Conley for more assets that they can use to build around John right. Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and I'm playing devil's advocate here because Mark, you and I were both in the room with Zach Kleiman and Jason Wexler a few weeks ago, and they told us that their mo moving forward will be to not sacrifice long-term vision for short-term success. And if you trade the number two pick and and try and uh, assemble a playoff team next season. That's kind of what you're doing. You're 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 forfeiting a bright future for the vision of immediate success. And so I think it's in their best interest to move ahead with with John Morant. Well, and what the what getting the number two pick did is it made you uncon like not unconcerned about the the whole conveying the pick thing with Boston, but it just it makes it easier to swallow, uh, like whether you convey it next year. Or even if it's unprotected two years from now, you still can say, "Well, we got John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr." It may, it just it, it's going to be painful no matter what, but it makes it so it's not it doesn't have to be part of your long like your strategy right. anymore. And the conveying it just, thing it'll will convey when it conveys. Well, and it will that'll still come up at some point next year. I mean, I've looked it up historically. If you want to finish seventh from the bottom, which is now the, with a top six protected pick, yeah, but what we saw in this lottery is with these new odds. For the lottery, just finishing where you finish, like you saw this year, people moved all over the place in the lottery from where they finished, including the Grizzlies. So I, I think, I think you cannot go into next season thinking at all about that. You, you should be thinking, and this goes back to who they should hire. You should be thinking, how are we going to develop Jaron Jackson Jr. and whoever, whether it's John Moran or R.J. Barrett. If it's John Morant, how are we going to best develop those two and build around those two? That's all you should be thinking about. I think the pick, it's going to convey when it conveys. It should not be part of their strategy anymore. Well, there you have it from Mark Giannato. Move all all, uh, all eyes ahead on uh, with the Grizzlies 
on a potential future with uh, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. That's kind of what we're we're thinking about here in Memphis right now. Uh, questions still are, are looming, of course, is uh, will Jonas come back? Uh, to me, that's uh, uh, the biggest one. That's to me, is probably more important than the coaching hire, to be honest with you. And I'm curious I to know to know your opinion. Well, what I mean, if, if they re-sign the guy for five years, he'll be long, here longer than I don't. I don't think you sign him for five. Well, years. he. I mean, there's a chance at least that, that he could be here longer. I than, think if than he wants to would. sign for like a, a reasonable, like if he wants to sign for ten or twelve million a year, then maybe you sign him for three, four years. But to me. I don't want to commit to anyone long term at this point until I see Ja and Jaron play together and figure out what they need That's around fair. them. That's fair. That's fair. Because you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity going into this season to potentially have a ton of money available in the future because if you trade Mike Conley uh, to a team that has the cap space because they're hoping to strike in free agency, then you might not have to take a ton of money back. In a Mike Conley trade, you might be able to free up some cap space with a Mike Conley trade. Then Chandler Parsons comes off the books next year. Maybe Jonas Valanciunas comes off the books. Uh, the, a lot of people think that they're going they're going to cut Avery Bradley loose and Avery won't Bradley. owe him thirteen million this year. So uh, there, a lot of money to spend. It's just the history with Memphis and adding free. It, it, to me, if they're going to add it, later on, it's going to have to be like sign and trades, things like that. Like. We, we've maybe John Jaron make this a desirable free agent destination, but we just know historically it has not been. I mean, like I love Memphis, but like it's just in NBA circles, it is not viewed as a desirable free agent destination. Uh, you're just really just crapping on Memphis all over the place here, aren't you? Well, uh, tell me, Mark. <laughs> realistic. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just not. Mm-hmm. It's just realistic in terms of like if the Grizzlies are thinking that way. I think it's a foolish way to think. Well, what's the what year are we looking at for the for a playoff appearance? Is it is it, is it unreasonable, totally out of the question to say that in in 2021, two years from right now, the Grizzlies will appear in the playoffs? I think it depends on how like. Does Jaron Jackson take that next step next season? Like, does he look, you know, like Jaron showed flashes of promise last year, I'd say, and played better than I think anyone ever expected. Is he going to be like a, is it going to be consistent flashes next year? Is it going to, is he going to be, you know, and and what will Ja do? Is, is it going to be a rough transit? Like, I think it all depends on those two. Like, if those two, you know, immediately hit the ground running then yeah like you know a playoff appearance maybe two years from now is very possible but like i I think the future of the franchise depends on those two now and how they develop and how how they progress and that's why i think the coaching hire is so important because you you need to get the right coach i think you need to focus more on player development than a coach who's going to get you the most wins in year one. You need someone like like the Nets when they hired uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. All of a sudden, Ad- Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson. Like I think the Hawks made a nice hire with uh, Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce. Um, that's the type of coach I think you need to hire at this point in time in the franchise's history, and a coach who, frankly, you're going to give more rope than you've given. All these other coaches, and and this it all goes back to Robert Parra too. Like, how patient is he going to be? Because so far he has shown he is not very patient with coaches who don't win. And to me, you need to commit to someone who's going to be part of Brett. Like, kind of what the Sixers did with Brett Brown. 
Like you need to commit to someone who you're going to be willing to to stomach the, some on court losses for some personnel progress, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So moving on then in the coaches' discussion, uh, Jason, I want to know uh, the. Uh, all jokes aside, not going to grill you. I just I'm curious about the discussions you had um, with this top 50 list, how you came to decide on the Grizzlies who were included, and maybe how tough it was to leave off a couple of figures who have played a very prominent role in the Grizzlies franchise. Because you had to whittle it down to the best 50 in Memphis sports history, not Grizzlies history. Memphis sports altogether, 200 years of this city. I mean, it, for all intents and purposes, there weren't really sports to, to consider 200 years ago. But, you know, looking at a century, essentially a century of sports in this city, uh, what went into your decision to have things play out the way they did with this list? Well, and, and I'm glad you um, stressed just how rich the history is in this city. It, it isn't, you're right, it doesn't go back 200 years. It really doesn't even go back 100 years. But, um, or I guess it does probably. But a lot's happened and a lot of significant things have happened and a lot of significant people have made, either either were born here and gone on to do great things somewhere else or made their mark here um, in, in, in some form or fashion. Uh, and so, yes, it was... To, to say, like I said on Twitter, to say it was a daunting task was an understatement of epic proportions. If you could bold and underline and, you know, italicize and all that stuff on Twitter, then I probably would have done it. But, um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what really, the way it went was you, you just sort of survey. I mean, full disclosure, if nobody, if, for those who don't know, I came here in June, last June. June of 2018. And so, you know, there were a lot of people on that list that you obviously, just just being a sports, you know, having a, a career in sports and being someone in the region you know about. But um, I relied a lot on talking to different people who've been here for a lot longer than I have. Um, and, and just, yeah, just kind of surveyed, uh, surveyed people who, who know more than me. And... Uh, and that's really, you know, sort of culling all of that. That's where the list. So came the, from. the the core four are each on the list. Oh yeah. And, and was that was there any doubt? I mean, did no, you? There was no hesitation that any four of those guys. That those were all slam dunks. Pun, hundred percent intended. Palgasol made the list. Yeah. The the thinking there was without him. The Grizzlies don't get Mark, more than likely. Would we all agree on that? Without, without Chris Wallace, why wasn't Chris Wallace on the list, Jason? Well, <laughs> he's certainly notable. He's uh, certainly notable. Michael Heisley made the list. Former yeah. owner, uh, since passed away. Mm-hmm. He brought the team here. I think that's he, he brought the big leagues to Memphis. Yeah. No, I think I think I think Jason put a lot of like a lot of effort into this. And there was no way there was going to be a perfect list because there's so many more than 50 people who contributed to the fabric and the, and the, and the history of Memphis sports. Um, 
we probably should have had Lionel Hollins on there. I would agree. I would um, agree. In retrospect, because of what he accomplished as the coach of the Grizzlies. Um, yeah, I'm not above. I'm certainly yeah. nowhere near. But above. I don't think it's your fault necessarily. It's just like it's just how this goes sometimes. These lists are imperfect. Um, yeah. They're they're really meant for people to debate yeah. and to 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 kind of just speculate. Right. About, you know, someone was going to have to get left and, off. And I look at a name like Lorenz and Wright. If you were going solely based off of what they did for the Grizzlies family, you probably take Lionel over Lorenzen. But you're looking at Lorenzen as more than just a Memphis Grizzlies player. You're looking at him as a local prospect who. Uh, you know, played in this area in, in college at, at Memphis, was a second-team All-American. Uh, and frankly, I mean, like, like with Lorenzen, it's part, was, like, it was, it, his murder also added to his legacy in that it, because he died so tragically um, and how high-profile that case was. And still is. And still is, yeah. Um, that's part of his legacy as well and I think adds to why he is – it was notable sports figures, yeah, right, 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 and you know, so it wasn't greatest by any. I mean, I, I wanted to let that be known as well. That distinction: it's not the greatest athletes or the best athletes or uh, sports figures or whatever in Memphis history. It's the most notable. A daunting task that you did a very good job with, and, and one that you'll have a, a follow up on with moments very soon. Actually, how many some Grizzlies moments, right? Uh, yeah, yes, yes. I tried to come up with something clever or, or whatever to, to say there, but yes, they're obviously yes. The Grizzlies. Okay. If I, I I should do a breakdown and count, you know, by decade, you know, do stats by decade and do uh, you know by organization, whatever. Oh, so analytics hits the top fifty. List. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's top fifty moments. It is the top fifty. It's fifty moments. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I didn't have to do that. Yeah, pack a lunch. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 definitely uh, extensive. Well, I, I can proudly say that I I was there for one that I feel certain uh, will be on that list, which was Zach Randolph's game winner over the Spurs for the Grizzlies' first ever playoff series victory in 2011. No, I don't think that. No, I'm just kidding. I, mean, I have no issue. Pl- uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. That one is, yes, that one made a list. And if you need a, an addition, if you're stuck on 49, Jason, uh, my church league team rallied from a 20-point deficit last night, won in overtime. So just FYI, I can send you a write-up. I fully expected this to go a different direction when you said you wanted to talk about this because you had made mention of the fact that you should be included in the top 50 sports figures. Yes. And, uh, and Based and, off success at the Overton Park Junior Golf Tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, so I fully expected that to sort of take – to get roasted because I didn't include you. But We're going with recency bias. This game happened last night, and it was, it was a thriller. Yeah? Yeah. Was it uh, where was it well attended? Uh, was at Bellevue. There were there were four people in attendance. Um, wow! One of our opponents' family. That was it. Wow! So like, that was like so that's f- like a Tubby Smith era. <laughs> <laughs> so friends and family for your team doesn't even apply. Hey, we this. we've got ourselves. You know that we're playing for each other, and uh, that's yeah. what that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't replace that camaraderie. Eighteen thousand screaming fans wouldn't wouldn't mean what we mean to each other out there on that you floor. Sound like JB. Wow. One of the losses last year, man. Yeah. <laughs> another another teaser. Uh, the, the the top fifty sports moments will be coming out very soon. I, I found out this morning, but uh, uh, it goes back as far as eighteen. 1884, I think 1884, 
It goes back that far. Uh, and yeah, there's even a, a football game from 19, from the 1920s in that on that list. So cool. I, I'll be very interested to, to read that and commend you for your for your. Uh, tenacity with getting into the rabbit hole with Memphis sports history. I, I can't imagine you probably feel like you know a lot about this city. You probably know more about the sports history in this city than I do. And I was I was born and raised here now because of this project. And I'm just curious, from a personal standpoint, kind of what what that's meant to you to learn the things that you've learned, to speak with the people you, you've spoken to, and, and really dive into this. Yeah, I mean that that. Um was the most fun about the whole thing is because it takes it takes anybody a while when they move somewhere new to feel connected to that place or settled I guess and this more than even you know like moving into a new house makes has made me feel more at home here than anything else in the past year just because you know it, it has taught me a lot and it has made me it has made me aware of a lot uh, of things that I, I didn't know um, about before, and uh, and there's, I mean, there's just been some really really cool things to happen in this city and kind of around in this in this general uh, vicinity, and, and so yeah, it's it's been it was a fantastic uh, project to to work on, and I'm very happy that I uh, that I was assigned to it, and uh, yeah. Hope, hope I did a good job. When I look ahead now, thinking about the Memphis Grizzlies and what what's ahead with the excitement uh, of having the number two pick here next season, uh, with the Memphis Tigers having the recruiting class that they're bringing in, I wonder, could this next five years be a golden age of sports in the city of Memphis? And Mark, I, I want to know what you think. I know you've been here longer than Jason. You haven't been here for a long time, but you know your history decently well. I mean, could this be... You know, when we look back 50, 50 years from now, uh, could the 2019 through 2025, hypothetically, could we look back at that uh, several decades down the road and say, man, this, this time that we're about to come up on now uh, was one of the greatest eras in Memphis basketball history altogether all, all around? It could be. I mean, it's I, I think the Tigers are closer to realizing sort of that golden era than the Grizzlies are right now just because – with this recruiting class that they have coming in, uh, they're going to be a national factor right away here in next season. Whereas the Grizzlies, I think, is going to be a slower build to getting back into into contention. They, the Grizzlies won't be on the national radar next season. I mean, they might get one or two national TV games more than they did this past year when the only game they had was the ML King Junior Day Celebration game, which is always on national TV. Uh, so you might have to search. Not always. It was, as of two, two years ago, it wasn't, actually. Um, it was like a big deal when they brought it back to national TV. But I just think I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to predict a golden era um, just because, I mean, frankly, like, look at, like, when, when like, Cal Perry was here and Hubie Brown was here. Like, that was a pretty good era of basketball for for Memphis. Even the beginning of the Passer era, which coincided with the beginning of the Grit and Grind era, that was pretty good. Um, so let, let's see. Um Let's see if they these both these teams can live up to that sort of promise. But it will be it, it'll be a lot of fun 
if the Tigers and the Grizzlies can both get rolling at the same time. The mere possibility, though, if Penny and his gang can hang hang on and keep this thing going for five years, which I think it's pretty clear they, they have that capability, and maybe the Grizzlies can hit their zenith in, in four or five years and be back uh, in the hunt again like they were during the grit and grind era. I mean, if that happens, we could be five years from now having both teams reach uh, the pinnacle of, of success, uh, and I think that's really exciting fun it'll be fun all right guys this has been the uh, memphis grizzlies podcast from the commercial appeal uh be sure to to stay locked on to commercialappeal.com and our mobile apps and uh if you think uh you know about uh wanting to commemorate uh the bicentennial from a sports perspective go out and snag a print copy of what uh Munz has done in commemorating the top 50 most notable sports figures in the city's history and coming soon uh the top 50 uh, most notable sports moments in the city's history. It's, it's really awesome work. And, of course, uh, with the Tigers and the Grizzlies, we've got you covered as well and uh, and with the, the prep scene as well because <laughs> there's a lot of talent in, in those ranks too. So, uh, so stay locked on. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll talk again soon.